Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Networks. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Hello, good evening. Welcome to the Replenish Me Show, where women listen in to strategies to propel themselves to success. I'm your host, Cordelia Gaffar, and I help women to have a body soul shift by using their emotions as a power source so that they can reframe their perspective with sweet talk and flow into their ultimate life purpose. Do you need a body soul shift? Take the quiz at www.bodysoulshift.com. I'm super excited to have Joe Johnson on the show today, a wonderful, lovely content coach who I met recently in Bali, and she helps experts to become leaders one story at a time. Her journey has helped her to propel from starting with people just starting out in business to now you'll find out what Bali did for her, what transformation it made. But in the meantime, she's juggling two brilliant children, three fur babies and a husband, all while being very mindful of her self-care. Welcome to the show, Joe. How are you? I'm really well. Thank you for having me, Cordelia. Lovely intro. (laughs) <laughs> I figure people can read, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> so no, it's great. What um, does a content coach do, and how did you uh, come at, come into doing this? Sure. So, in essence, a content coach helps business owners to create content for their business. Uh, we know that in modern business. Um, particularly digital marketing, has become an absolute must and the the content creation wheel needs to keep turning so that people are aware of who you are, what you offer um, and, you know, the value that you deliver. So small businesses are in constant need of being able to create useful and valuable pieces of content, whether they be audio or visual, video or or written content. Now, this all sort of came about um, from being a word nerd way back when I was at school. I was a spelling bee champion and, um, you know, always, always very, very interested in reading and writing. I studied um, English and English literature at university uh, and then I went on in later years to do a virtual communications master's degree. Um, I had journalism training and, you know, words were always my thing. I guess what happened along the way, though, was that I, I fell into a career of recruitment. So I used to recruit IT consultants. Um, but that was happening in the very early dot-com days in the 90s in Australia and mm-hmm. through exposure to a lot of those early dot-com businesses I realized very quickly 
how um, the the internet was going to be an amazing way to not only create um, create uh, you know new styles of marketing and new styles of communication, but also create a new lifestyle for business people. So I had this vision a long time ago of being able to work from anywhere, uh, top of a mountain or a beach. And uh, well before the hashtag, you know, laptop lifestyle existed, <laughs> I was uh, very interested in living that sort of lifestyle. And I knew that being in and around the internet was, was the way to do it. And I never was going to be a developer. So I was always, you know, on the sort of the, the sales and marketing side of the internet, never going to be a techo. And so I, I worked then in a business here called realestate.com.au, which is a, a classified ads business. Um, you have loads of them in the States too, selling, helping real estate agents sell, sell properties and market properties. And I've worked there for just about 10 years um, wow. and learnt an, yeah, learnt an awful lot. I had five different roles in that time that I was there and learnt an awful lot about how to position online marketing to small business owners, how to, um, you know, to, to sell it how to create language for both consumers and industry users in that sort of online classified marketplace. And the, the last role that I had there was as a global editor. So I actually created a voice for the realestate.com.au brand for consumers because at that point we were expanding into different markets. So we were going into China, into the UK, uh, we were in New Zealand and we we're going into mainland Europe, so into Belgium and, and France. So I had a lot of exposure to different aspects of the whole digital marketing space. Um, and then I was made redundant. And mm. uh, yeah, I was on maternity leave and I had, um, with my second child, so I had a teensy tiny baby and a toddler and I sat there and after being crossed for about 24 hours saying how, how dare they do this to me um, I thought you know what this is the, the kick up the pants that I needed to go and, and start my own thing so the, the business really began as a copywriting business um, because a couple of reasons I, I knew I could do it standing on my head um, and I knew I could do it in the middle of the night if I was feeding or doing whatever yeah. I was doing. Um, and I also knew that it was a, a necessary skill set that was missing. I had a lot of uh, friends who had left realestate.com.au at a similar time to me. They'd all gone and set up, you know, different sort of consulting businesses, web design businesses, and they all needed websites they all needed marketing material and none of them had the skills or the time to do the copywriting so I had a ready-made market and and that was great um, you know lots of ups and downs along the way but um, I then very very soon after that was probably about 18 months into that business I started getting tired as in front of the computer and, um, and and just writing for other people and at a similar time my uh, a number of my clients were sort of saying, you know, this is this is great. I love what you're writing for me, but when it's four in the morning and I've got this amazing idea, I can't contact you. And then by the time I can, I lose the idea and enthusiasm. Can you please teach me how to do this? Hmm. So 
that's how the content coaching business was actually born. Um, so it was a bit of push-pull both from myself saying, oh, I don't know if I want to continue writing for everybody else. And also them saying, hey, can you teach me how to do it for myself? So the content coaching took off and it's been wonderful. Uh, I mostly work with small service-based or micro businesses that are service-based mm-hmm. and, co- you know, coaches, consultants, authors, um, health practitioners, that sort of thing. And I, I work one-on-one. I do coaching. I do retreats, um, group programs, all sorts of things, depending on what is the best outcome for that client and, and how quickly they need to get to a particular particular result. So I like that you, you know, we we always need a push, right, from the outside sometimes to, mm-hmm. uh, to start on our path to greatness. And um, but you you chose something that was close to home and something that you loved, right? Yeah. And uh, with the writing, so I love that. And and it's easy, like you said, it would definitely fit right into your life. So you didn't start out or approach having your business um, as an inconvenience to your lifestyle, you thought, what is the most convenient thing for my lifestyle? Is that it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I had, um, we had moved to Sydney from Melbourne and that was for my husband's work at the time. He, he had changed, uh, changed job and he was working extremely long hours, um, sometimes yeah. 14 hours a day. And I was in a brand new city with no support <laughs> network and a husband who was gone and a toddler and a brand new baby. And mm. I had to do something that worked for me um, and that could work around the family situation, but that also was stimulating because I've, I've always been a career girl. Um, I worked many years in corporate before having a baby and mm. um I, you know, I definitely still needed the stimulation of adult conversation and feeling useful um, and using my skill set and, you know, was not very content to just to, to be a stay-at-home mother, um, but I, I definitely needed to do something that was going to fit into the lifestyle that, that we had at that point in time. Boy, can I relate to that, man. We moved out <laughs> to the suburbs. Right. So I decided to um, stay at home after um, actually during my pregnancy with our third child. And mm-hmm. we thought, OK, well, um, we probably are going to need a bigger house. Right. And so then not thinking about exactly what you just said, you'll be in a new city. Right. Mm-hmm. Where you have friends mm-hmm. and, now, you know, no um no adults that you're accustomed to talking to. So, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, it's um, tricky. It is. So very tricky. And yeah, I was very mindful of, um, uh, I, I'd stayed home with my daughter for 15 months and mm-hmm. then went, had gone back to work part time at, at realestate.com.au. And then, as I said, it was the second time I was on maternity leave that, uh, that I was made redundant and it I was so I was actually quite fearful of just being left in a hole and not that there's anything wrong with stay-at-home parents but that was not for me 
wholly and solely. I, I definitely needed some other stimulation and, and something to, a way to feel useful. And uh, oh. so, yeah, I felt quite fearful of the fact that I suddenly didn't have this place to go to and this, this suit to put on and all those sorts of things. But, um, yeah, definitely starting the business was, um, you know, it was, it was very challenging. But as I said, I was reasonably lucky that I had a, a skill set that was required and that was, um, you know, that I really was, was great at and that um, I, I could do in a sort of flexible fashion. So I didn't have to be anywhere at any particular time. Right. That's a great distinction, yeah. though. Let me bring this to the forefront. You're in Australia. So um, what is the maternity leave there, by the way? So 12 months. Uh-huh. 12 See, months in the States, it's like 12 weeks max. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, we don't get paid for 12 months. Um, we do, it depends on your organization. Things have had to change here quite a bit. And so this, this happened eight years ago. Um, so things have actually changed even in that time, depending on who you work for, but you're allowed to take 12 months off from your job and they will hold it open for you, but you get paid about three months. So about the 12 weeks, that's what you get paid. Okay, so that's the same as the United States. We do have mm. the Family Something Leave Act for 12 months, and they have to hold your job. Yeah. Okay, all right, so it's pretty similar then. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it is a big challenge. It's a super challenge, and I, I come across this a lot with my clients too because I help um, – I work with a lot of people who well, traditionally have worked with people who have been in um, early stages of their business, so there's, some of them are still – sort of hanging on to those those corporate jobs um, in often a part-time capacity, sort of trying to wean themselves off it and, and get into their new business. Um, and it's it's a big, scary transition. It's a big leap for a lot of people to, to cut the ties and to just go, you know, holus bolus into their own thing because of that security and obviously income and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I found for me that in actual fact just making clean breaks is a lot easier than just mm. saying, oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go from five days to four days and then down to three and two and try and up the ante on the other stuff. I find it easier just to go, nope, this is it, we're doing it. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, you have to, you have to make it work. And that was actually pretty similar with what I did when, when I changed to the content coaching. I was actually working with a business coach at the time and I'd felt quite, I'd felt like there was some change coming, but I didn't know exactly what it was and something didn't feel right with the current marketing of the business. And I went away on a weekend. Um, she used to have these sort of hot seat weekends where she'd just take two people and we, we'd work all weekend and really get, go deep on whatever it was we needed at the time and I just for the first half day I sort of sat there I'm like this isn't working this isn't working everything I tried didn't feel right and uh, I just said to her something's got to change <laughs> and she's like okay what is it and I said and I told her how I was feeling and the sort of responses that I was getting from clients and within 15 minutes I'd sat down with two big pieces of butcher's paper and mapped out the entire new business and said that's it that's what I'm doing and on Monday morning, I called my designer and got a brand new logo done. And, um, and that was it. Set up the new Facebook page, done, moved on. <laughs> I love it. So you're like all about the business. There's, 
I, I just want to highlight this, what you just said. You knew something Friday. You went away for a weekend, and Monday you were on the next path. There was no, like, waiting for it to be perfect or right. It was better than done. It's better to just have it done. Is that it? Yes, yes, absolutely. It was one of the things I learned from uh, the CEO of uh, realestate.com.au when I was there. He's no longer the CEO, but he was sort of the ultimate entrepreneur and he was my real, a real mentor for many years. And I remember the very first time that I, you know, I was going over and over and over a marketing piece that I wanted to get right. And he said to me, Joe, don't ever let perfection get in the way of progress. Mm. And I never forget that. And I didn't, I don't think I really fully grasped at the time what he meant by that. But he was, as I said, ultimate sort of entrepreneur, which was just go, 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 seizing opportunities and moving quickly. And that's how that business grew so successfully here. Um, whereas I had come out of a space, particularly, you know, in academia and um, in slower moving corporates where you had to get every I dotted and every T crossed and it had to go through 17 different iterations before it got sign off and so I was in that mode and that is not entrepreneurial mode at all mm -hmm. um, and uh, and so I have learned very very much so now in running my own thing that you know you do have to just keep moving and you can't sit around contemplating enable or trying to get every little sparkle perfectly in place before you make a decision to move because otherwise you'll still be there and someone else or something else will have changed and moved ahead and, and you'll be left behind. Yeah, 100%. Mm. So yeah, I just want to stop and we'll pick it back up in a minute as we go more into who you help and what they're seeking and all those things. We'll stop sure. for a really, really super brief commercial break. Uh, as you know, my show is the second and fourth Wednesday of the and On the first and third weeks, we have Undivided with Frank Maduri. So tune in next week at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for his episode on Christmas, Faith, Hope, and Change always has brilliant guests and next week he's going to talk about faith hope and charity are the three central components of roman catholicism as well as other christian denominations the lesson from each virtue were designed to bring us all closer to god so that we may better serve one another you don't want to unbite it all about really bringing all of us together so Thank you again, Joe, for being here. I want to dive a little bit deeper into um, why people come to you. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. Um, this is an interesting one, and it's something that I've, um, I ask myself quite often, and particularly more recently. Um, traditionally, people come to me because they think they can't write. Mm. And it's it's an interesting one because, you know, everybody I deal with can physically write. Um, they've all been taught. <laughs> and 
what it is that I find is obviously, you know, it's not that they can't write, but that they don't have confidence in their own voice. Mm. So this idea of a writer's voice being found or discovered or, um, you know, learnt is uh, a bit of a misnomer to my mind because Mm. I'm very much about the fact that everybody has their own unique voice and all they need to do is trust it. And I think that that trust comes simply from using it Mm. and from practising the art of writing the way that you speak. So a lot of the people that I that I work with are experts in what they do. They're expert practitioners in the health and wellness space or they are um, consultants or they are coaches and they're actually experts at what they do. They know their stuff inside out and if you ask them what they do, it will come out very, very clearly and, you know, very, very often. <laughs> Um, when, you ask, when you ask them to actually write that down or to break it out into a series of emails for their people or cut it up into a dozen posts, little poignant moments, they get all kind of tongue-tied and twisted and they feel like they need to express it in a different way than they would if they're writing, uh, speaking. Sorry, And, and I, I ask them simply why. Why do you feel like you need to write it in a different voice than the way that you would say it? And they really don't know. They don't know, (laughs) except that there is a lot of bravado online and particularly in social media. There is a lot of pretense and there is a lot of uh, supposed perfectionism. And Mm. I think people get caught up in that and feel like particularly, again, when they're new and young in business, they feel like they have to be seen in a certain light. And so they suddenly sit down with a pen and paper or in front of the computer and try to start writing about what they know and know intimately, um, and they get all tongue-tied. <laughs> and it, it's, it's really, you know, in a metaphoric way, it's, it's really quite interesting. So that tends to be the work that I do with early stage businesses and do a lot of that is to break down that idea that they they can't write and that they, um, you know, don't know how to say what it is they say. And I I do a few exercises around that where it's quite physically just walking around the studio saying the answers to the question and saying them out loud and saying them into their phone and recording them and getting those transcribed. And once those are transcribed and they come back, they can start to see how their verbiage comes out on paper. And that's quite a powerful thing. Um, so that's, that's often what I do in the early stages and, and mostly why people come to me. What happens is that it tends to go a lot deeper than that then. Um, and because in actual fact, they sort of come and they say, I don't know how to write for Facebook or I don't know how to write blogs. Like that's kind of the surface level first conversation. And then we do that, that diving more deeply into the, the writing, the way that you speak. And then it really goes further and it's about confidence. It's about owning what you know. It's about understanding that there's value in what you know. 
and mm-hmm. that not everybody knows what you know and that's exactly why you have a right to to have a business around this and to charge for what you know and you know that's a much deeper conversation and then and it goes right across the business so how do you price what you're you're packaging up how do you bundle up your services how do you position those do you care about competitors um you know how do you talk about this where do you talk about this and so it really starts to permeate all those aspects of the business um the other thing that I've realised more recently in, in kind of getting back to your very original question about what do people come to me for, I realised that people are also coming to me to help them with transitioning from one phase to another. Mm. And, yeah, that's a bit more of a, a, a newer realisation for me. Um, and I touched on it a little bit before where I, I mentioned that, you know, I work with people who are perhaps coming out of, corporate and they've turned their sort of hobby into a business and they're working maybe three days a week now and trying to make a goal of both of them. So that transitioning thing is is a challenge for a lot of people, uh, whether it is from, from corporate to being a business owner or whether it's from being perhaps a, a free single laptop lifestyler to suddenly being a working parent. Um, mm. There's a lot of a lot of people who are fearful of that change and it gets very lumpy and it gets very clumsy and they lose income and, you know, things go backwards and then it all falls apart. Right. So I realised that, and, and this was not something I thought, but I, I realised that a lot of people think that I make those changes and those transitions with, with grace and with ease. And that's, that's the perception that they have. Um, and I have made a lot of transitions in my life, whether it be physical locations, whether it be, you know, the, the corporate business thing. I've also made three transitions within my business. Um, and I realise that I am not afraid of change at all. Um, it's, it excites me rather than terrifies me. And I, I really am embrace that change um i'm not actually very good at staying in one place for very long <laughs> uh whether it be a, an emotional place or a, or a physical space um i i and that's why i had i think so many jobs also within that that 10-year period at realestate.com.au um i really always put my hand up if they're looking for someone to do something new set something new up i was always the one who wanted to do it um, and so I, I think that is something that people have seen in me without me knowing it, and that's that's what I'm helping people with, and that's part of my the next phase of my business too is uh, really helping those experts become more like leaders rather than just experts in their space and making that transition, which is a really exciting one, but it's it, it's getting people into that very visible space which they're often nervous about. So before we get more into that, um, how you have experts to become leaders, let's just um, talk about how you embrace change. Um, sure. And, and then the second part of that question is going to be um, example of what happened in Bali. Did you come back on the next day back home and, and hit the ground running. So 
Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. So embracing change. Um, I, as I said, I get a bit twitchy doing the same thing for too long. Um, so I actually, I actually feel it as a physical thing. <laughs> I know that sounds odd, but I actually feel it as a physical thing. Like I will find myself walking around my studio looking for something else to do other than what I am, you know, in inverted commas, supposed to be doing at that point. So I, and it's, it's not that, uh, you know, I haven't got ADHD or anything, but I feel like I sometimes get a bit twitchy doing the same old, same old. So I actually seek other opportunities quite regularly. Now, this is not to be confused with shiny object syndrome, which, you know, I have fallen foul to as well, absolutely. Um, I'm definitely trying to cure myself of that. Um, but that, you know, that is, that is a challenge for a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs who are onto the next thing, you know, what's next, what's next? And I'm very mindful of not doing that. But um, I, feel, I feel it quite physically, like, there's something that has to, I get a bit, I get kind of twitchy and annoyed and like, no, there's got to be more to, more to this than what's happening in front of me right now. And so then I sit with it for a bit and I feel, you know, what, what is it that I love about what I'm doing now, but what's the bit that's annoying me? Um, and, and why is it annoying me? And is there some subtle change that I could make that would help that? Or is it something quite dramatic I have to shift? So then I, I, you know, if, if something presents itself or if I've found a, a new opportunity, I really go, I don't go hell for leather in terms of let's just go, oh, here I am, this is brand new, this is what I'm doing. I will do things like setting up the, the pieces, you know, getting the socials set up, getting the logo if there's a rebranding required getting all the materials, thinking about the pricing and the packaging and the offering and do those things. So I do all the due diligence around that before I start shouting about it. Um, but I do it quite quickly and I know that it's not necessarily 100% perfect before I go out to market with it. But I, I make sure that I'm kind of 90% of the way there so that then I can tweak that other stuff once I start talking about it. So that's, that's really how, how I sort of go about that, that change piece. Um, but I know that you have to get uncomfortable too because without getting a little bit uncomfortable, um, nothing, nothing changes, nothing happens. You end up being in the same space that you were yesterday and 10 years ago and you, you live within the same boundaries that you've always had and there's no growth there. It's also not terribly exciting. Yeah, and I don't think when you came to Bali, that was your intention. You were just coming, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So Bali was interesting. I, um, I don't really know why I, was, uh, why I intended to go, except that I probably really just needed a break, to be fair. Yeah. Um, we had a really big year, and mm -hmm. um, my husband was away for three months of it in Europe, and... And just so much has happened this year and we spent six weeks traveling then after that and um, lots and lots has gone on this year. And I feel like probably I just was a bit tired and exhausted and over it and, and really, you know, it looked like a nice opportunity to have a break while still yeah. working on my business. Maybe that was, you know, um, 
so then I wouldn't feel so guilty about just going on holidays for a week on my own. Um, <laughs> mother guilt, you know. Um, and then I realised when I was there that I had this moment, as you, you were witness to, where we did an exercise where we were trying to work out our, our true authority and the words that hung around that and what, what our value really was. And in creating that, that diagram, that model, I had all the words around it except for the middle word, which was the authority piece. And, you know, everybody was very helpful throwing in suggestions and I've been umming and ahhing about all these words and none of them really sat with me terribly comfortably at all. And I think Andrew then just said, well, you know, what's the problem? <laughs> I don't know. I don't really know what the problem is. And he's like, you don't want to do this anymore, do you? I'm like, no. I don't think I do. And then came the tears, the floods of tears, yeah. and the sobbing. And it was such a release and a relief. Um, and I think that's, that was so key to, to the change for me was just the relief that finally, I don't know, I'd given myself permission to move on again. And mm -hmm. I think I might have explained this while I was there that I'd felt like there were some seeds of change happening again for me, but mm -hmm. that I'd not allowed myself this time to listen to them. I hadn't given myself any time or space to consider them. And it's simply because I was so busy. I had been mm -hmm. so busy in the nine months leading up to that, that I just had no headspace to listen to it. So, the Bali thing really just gave me the headspace. It gave me time to to let it fall apart and gave myself permission then to, to go, you know what, you don't have to keep doing the same thing if you don't want to. <laughs> Funnily mm -hmm. enough, it's your business, Joe, and you can do as you please. <laughs> your business, yeah. Yeah, and so... I just, I, I loved that and I, I, you know, it was terribly uncomfortable and a bit embarrassing and all those things in front of new people, but I loved that I was able to have that space um, and then I just, you know, I felt like I'd been hit by a bus, but I, I slept with it that night and I woke up very, very early with all of these words in my head and then came yeah. out the next morning and did the presentation and it worked. So, yeah, I I have to, um, you know, I have to say definitely you overdue for some headspace. It looks like you did have quite an action-packed year. And just mm. to um, completely relate to what you experienced there, I mean, you mentioned mom guilt. I didn't have any mom guilt. I knew that I needed um, a moment alone to focus on my business. Mm. And... Uh, I would have to say Bali definitely gave that. I mean, between us not really having perfect internet connection and like almost being forced to really be on vacation, it was like perfect. And I had my own little puddle moment myself there. So, mm. you know, um, but I loved how the next morning, like you said, with the presentation, you came out like gangbusters. We were like, whoa. <laughs> she was like, yesterday like not even afternoon it was like later in the day I think right mm. and then here mm. we are the next morning nice and fresh and you're just like owning the stage and it was really remarkable so 
I want to talk a little bit more about um, what that felt like inside. You said it was a release. It was a release. Did you feel replenished and renewed? And let's speak a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, it was quite, um, quite a, a strong physical reaction in the afternoon when I cried and sobbed and it, it went from head to heart to head to heart and bounced around because in my heart I thought, oh, thank God, I've just like let all this out. But then there was the whole head thing of, oh, okay, this is embarrassing. I don't even know these people. And then I'd go back down to who cares? I don't know them. Who cares? I may never see them again. And all of that happened. And then I went back to my head and I was like, oh, hang on a minute because I know how retreats work and I know how learning gets scaffolded in these experiences. And if I don't get this right today, what am I going to do for the next four days? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I I knew that the work that was coming was going to be based on that model being right on that first day. So I had all of that going on as well. And for that reason, I found I, it was exhausting because I didn't probably just give in to the, the puddle and, and let that happen. I had that whole intellect piece going on as well. Um, so then I went to bed. I literally felt like I'd been hit by a bus. I felt like I was back at a teenager, you know, when you have those terrible tantrum you don't understand me moments with your parents <laughs> and I remember that feeling of going to bed one night of being completely exhausted and wrung out like someone had literally rung me out yeah. and that's how I felt that night and then to wake up so early I thought I'd sleep and sleep and sleep but I woke so early with all of these words in my head and all of this this these new ideas and I felt amazing and I scribbled them all down and then I went onto the roof and, and just sat for a little while with the sun coming up. And I felt so ready to do that presentation that morning. Um, mm. I, I, I felt ready, but I actually didn't know 100% <laughs> what the words were going to be. But right. I felt really ready to, to say whatever I had to say. Um, and again, it's that thing of, that thing of embracing that uncomfortable space and not mm-hmm. running from it, but right. actually facing it head on and saying, you know what, this is going to be fine. Whatever comes out of here is going to be great. And I also don't have to hang on to whatever comes out of here. This is not the finite moment where I've created a, a new business or a new thought and that has to be it either. This is just yeah. part of the process in fact start of the process and I felt completely renewed and completely replenished and it just it really filled me up and I to get out there as well and then to get the response that I did from Andrew and from yourself um, you know from the crowd was really encouraging but it, it, it wasn't about the accolades it was just like no you know what I can do this this mm-hmm. is great so yeah, it was it was quite a um, an interesting process, and not one I've been through to that sort of extreme degree for a very long time. Hmm. So it was time. It was time for that to happen. Yeah, I reckon definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
you came, but you went back, and I see everything's already sorted, everything in order yes. now, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I think it was even within after you, we got back, right? Yeah, yeah. So I got back, and um, I just started talking about it. I started, I really owned what happened. Um, I talked about what I wanted to do in my Facebook group, on my page. I did lots of lives. Um, I was at a few networking events and I just started owning it and saying, mm-hmm. you know what, there was this thing, this is what I do. Because everybody knows me in my, you know, this network as the content coach and Joe helps people do writing and create content for their business. So I had to... I have to say, yes, I do, but I'm doing it in a different way now. Mm. And uh, this is the new space that I'm, that I'm working in and this is how I got there. So I've just really owned the story and was not afraid to share the fact that I had my breakdown before the breakthrough. And, and in, in fact, it was about two weeks after we got back, I actually was doing a presentation, had been asked to present at a, a networking group in Melbourne, and I completely changed what I was going to talk about. They'd wanted me to talk about um, social media marketing or something or other. Um, I said, no, I don't want to do that anymore. This is what I want to talk about. Is that okay? And she's like, hell yeah, let's do that. Um, and, I, and I presented a new model so based on what I did in that, on that next morning in Bali. Um, and they loved it. They lapped it up and it was, it was great and it felt really good. But I just... I had to step straight into that space. Otherwise, the whole moment would have been wasted. Yeah. So it's in my mind. That's, that's how I would have viewed it. If I didn't do something about that straight away, it just would have been, you know, the girl who cried on retreat and then it all fell apart and she went back to what she was doing. And that's, that's not the point, I don't think. So you actually so. used your own method that you teach your clients. You spoke it out, but just not like speaking it into a phone to be transcribed. You just literally went out into the world and spoke it out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it just, um, it helps solidify every time I talk about it. I speak, uh, I speak with more um, understanding of it Mm -hmm. and the story doesn't get embellished. It, it, It is what it is, but I talk with more, definitely more depth of understanding about why it happened and how I use that now to help other people. Because I've, I've facil- facilitated re- retreats for the last three years myself. So mm-hmm. I understand what happens on retreats. I run writers' retreats. And mm-hmm. um, I take a small group away, smaller than what we had. It's usually about four people. And mm-hmm. we live and breathe in a beautiful home together for three, three days. And... You know, lots happens in those three days and you're managing everybody's expectations and we live in very close quarters because it's in a private home just with individual bedrooms. So very, very close quarters where we do everything together. And um, so a little bit more intense, I suppose, than what, what we had in Bali with Andrew. Mm. Um, and so, so I've seen a lot of the ups and downs that happen in those immersion spaces. But they all happen for a really good reason. And, you know, once the walls get broken down and people start to loosen up and, you know, there's inevitably tears, hysterical laughter um, and everything in between. Um, yeah. So I, I, love, I love how that happens on those retreats. But the real challenge for most people is what happens after. Mm-hmm. 
what happens afterwards and can you use that experience to propel you forward and not just let it stand there as it was um, because otherwise it's it's somewhat wasted it's I mean you've had it you've had the experience but you haven't learned from it or implemented anything as a result of it so you you do that quite well knowing experts now leaders I know that a few of us on the retreat you've already helped us to to tell me what is the you know just give me the top three ways that someone can go from being an expert to sure sure so for me it's very much a decision um you need to make a decision that you want to become more visible um and once you've made that decision the thing you need to do is to listen listen Mm. much more than speak and i think that is that is the huge signal of great leadership is that you, you know, the old adage, two ears, one mouth. <laughs> uh, yeah, that you, you actually listen a whole lot more than you speak because in listening you are not only going to hear, you know, if you've got employees, you're going to really hear what they think of you and how they feel about the business. They're going, you're going to listen to customers in a different light. You're going to really understand what they value. You're going to listen to peers and you're going to propel your own learning, you know, forward far, far faster than if you just go to the books or, or keep talking. So the listening thing is a big one, big one. Um, the next thing is to think about service. Um, you know, serving as an expert, you do your thing and you do it brilliantly. But that serves one section of the market and one section of your community. So... Again, if you have staff or or contractors or consultants, how are you serving them and not just by giving them a nice place to work and giving them some some income, but in other ways, how are you servicing them internally? How are you servicing them from uh, an emotional perspective? And then looking beyond that, what are you doing to be a leader beyond your business in the community? How are you giving back? How are you giving back to your family? How are you as a, you know, a leader in your own family? How are you as a leader in your, your church or, or your faith? Are you doing anything from a charity perspective? Are you showing leadership simply you know, at the park when you're there with your dog and your children? Mm-hmm. Um, so that service, that service piece is important too. And then again, finally, you know, get uncomfortable. Be okay and embrace that change piece. Um, know leader no great leader was just born that way and everybody for their entire life has said yep you're the leader of this town or this this business or this faith the great leaders rise up when necessity dictates that somebody needs to step up and in stepping up out of a space that you already know there is going to be discomfort because the unknown is uncomfortable for most people so getting comfortable with that, that unknown is, is really how you're going to take yourself from being brilliant at what you do and being an expert in your own space and serving those, that one group of people to actually being seen by others, your peers, 
as somebody who's leading the way in that industry and leading the way in not only how they deliver their service, but in how every part and every aspect of their life and their business is, is ticking along. Yeah, that's, that's really true. So I know speaking of retreats, you're, you have a retreat coming up to do exactly this. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes, I do. And it happens to be back at the, uh, the scene of the crime, the place where I <laughs> fell apart. <laughs> so, yes, it's in Bali, back at, at, uh, at the Vision Villas. Um, and it's for very good reason that I'm, that I'm going back there. Um, okay. I could have done it in any, any number of places. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely going back there because of the experience that I had there. Um, mm. But also because it was beautiful <laughs> and amazing. And I also know now how it runs and I've met the people I needed to meet to make sure that my retreat runs smoothly and delivers the value that I want it to deliver. So um, it's the first time I've been... I've run a retreat overseas and with that comes, you know, a whole bunch of complexity. Uh, mm. The retreats that I've run in Melbourne have been much more easily in my control um, and smaller number and, you know, just easier to manage, I suppose, as you get better at them. You know, I've done seven of them now. Um, mm. But when you're running something Elsewhere, you need to be sure that the team who are going to help you deliver that are, you know, up to scratch and that the venue and everything is great. And that certainly is how I felt at Vision Villas. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm really excited to, to hold a retreat there for, um, yeah, for exactly the sort of people that we've been talking about, the, the people who are running their own business and probably have been for a, a few years now. They're not brand new to their business. They're experts at what they do, but are ready to step up and step out and to be seen as more than just great at what they do, but to be seen as a true leader, a real leader in their niche and in their community and all that goes with that. So you brought up an interesting point that normally um, you have this retreat in a private home and now you've decided to not only have more people, but to have it in a, like a resort. Now I've mm. been to both kinds of retreats, right? So I retreat in a, in a private home. I know what you mean. It's like you literally do everything together. It's almost kind of like being back in university a little bit, but yeah, <laughs> but better because we're adults yes. now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what, um, I guess, is this your, um, part of being a leader by stepping outside of your comfort zone with how you're running your retreat? 100%. Yep. Mm. 100%. Yep. I could definitely have run this in a home or a space here, which would have been very easy for me to do. Mm. But I am stretching myself just as much as I expect the participants to stretch themselves. So that's exactly why I'm running it there. Um, and also because I, as I said, I, I mean, I joked about it, but I want to go back to the space where I felt that shift for me because mm. there is power in that and putting myself back into that room will 
no doubt affect me. And I am, I'm really excited by what that affectation will be. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm also really... I'm also really keen to connect more broadly, I suppose. That's, that's the other part of what I'm doing is taking, uh, taking myself out of being seen as a leader sort of locally and, and, you know, really stepping up for myself too and, and wanting to be seen as that leader globally. Um, and I'm not afraid to say that. Um, so that's, that's a big part of it is, is to do that. The other thing is that I think there is enormous power in the collective, the collective mind. And what I'm hoping for with the participants that attend this retreat is that, you know, there will still be quite a heavy content focus because that's my expertise. So there will be very much an underpinning of this leadership and, and how do you become a great leader um, by the use of content. And I don't mean, you know, a Facebook post. I'm talking about a really solid body of work. So what I'm, what I'm expecting will come out of this, and we're going to talk quite a lot about this on, on the retreat, is, you know, the creation of a book and mm. capturing an enormous knowledge bubble at any particular point in time for you as a leader. So we will get, we're going to be talking a lot about writing our own books. Um, the other thing is is to capture it in a program. So you've been this expert doing your thing. You're constantly saying the same things to people. How can we capture that instead and leverage that knowledge one to many by creating a program? Uh, it's a better use of your time. It's better for your clients. And you're capturing that knowledge base at that point in time in a really good solid body of work that's leverageable in all sorts of ways. So that's the sort of thing we're going to be talking about. It's going to be about the book writing, about programs. It's going to be about a blog. It's going to be about podcasts. How can you leverage your expertise to then step up into that space where you can share that knowledge and expertise much more broadly, which will then help you own that space of leadership? So, you know, I was joking on one of your posts when you announced it about coming to your yeah. um, your retreat. Not that I'm not thinking about coming, but the question comes to mind now that we've gone a little bit through what we would be doing. I've already published four books. I have yeah. online programs. Clearly, I have a podcast. How could someone like me benefit from it? So what I would say is that have you been leveraging those pieces of work to their best advantage? Because um, that's one of the things that, you know, again, a lot of people are self-publishing now and that's, that's wonderful that we have this ability, but there is, um, there's still a lot of work to be done about creating actually really excellent products versus just creating a product. Um, and then what you do with that product afterwards to create a space of leadership and to be viewed as that. Because, yes, there's a million people who have created little programs, but are they actually selling them effectively and are they using them to create, you know, other things from there? Have they scaffolded the learning so that after program A, there's program B and then there's the mastermind and then there's the retreats and so on and so forth. Um, it's also about saying, well, if those things are already created, 
then what's next for you? What's next for you? What do you feel like you want to do next? How can you um, use those things that perhaps you've been selling more locally and step up into an international space? Are you being picked up by the, the idols in your own industry? And, you know, are they seeing you as a leader? And if so, what are you doing about that? Are you, are you collaborating with them? Are you being uh, uh, able to contact and, and be in touch with their people? You know, what are those sort of cross-purposing cross that you can do with other leaders in your space? So there's all sorts of different levels for people. Um, <laughs> there's definitely different ways in which you can approach this stuff. Um, as you say, it might be somebody like you who has done some of these things and is saying, well, what next? Or have I used those assets effectively as I could have? And then there'll be other people who have been running, you know, might have been running a chiropractic business for 10 years and are excellent at what they do, but have created nothing in terms of an asset to be able to capture that, that knowledge yet. So it will cater for, for, both both ranges. Um, it's not catering for brand new business owners who have not sort of um, demonstrated that longevity and that expertise yet. It's definitely for those who have been around at least sort of four to five years. So I like that it's for people, um, you know, like myself or like the chiropractor you mentioned, who just need to stretch themselves or are going to run the risk like you and possibly get bored. You can like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, and that's the thing. And everybody's different. Some people, um, you know, a lot. I don't meet a lot of people who are as excited about change as I am. Um, <laughs> there are some. There are some of us, but Ooh. many aren't. Um, <clears throat> but. There's, there's that line, as I said, there's a lot of people who have shiny object syndrome. Um, I think that's slightly different, but that's something that needs to be managed as well. And definitely it happens. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day who was helping me um, create some visual models and she's, she's been in business 18 years and just mm. had this whole brand new epiphany about change. She'd been trying all sorts of things because she constantly was looking at shiny objects. Oh, I could do this, I could do that. And they were all you know, that sort of saying, that zone of excellence, but they weren't really her genius. And yeah. so sometimes it takes that length of time to, to do that. And in actual fact, I've, I've worked with people who do have a number of books and do have programs, but it isn't actually their, their zone of genius. They're, mm. not, they're things they knew about and happily wrote about and were able to deliver very comfortably and very well and was well-received but it actually wasn't their, their, their real space of genius that they've grown into. So there's always phases. There's always phases. And the retreat is going to talk not about the mechanics so much of putting a book together, um, but, you know, it's going to talk to these, these tools as assets for capturing knowledge at a particular point in time and being able to leverage that and also talk a lot to that leadership space. And I've got a couple of guests coming in who are going to be presenting as well. So it's not just all me. So you're going to get real expert <laughs> advice from others um, and, and really 
you know, I, I'm really excited about that fact that there's going to be others there that you can learn from and bounce ideas off. And that too is why the group will be a little bit larger than four. It's not going to be massive by any means. Um, I'm looking to cap it at 12. Um, mm -hmm. But there is definite, definite room when you've got a couple of facilitators and that sort of number to have sort of smaller breakout groups and things as well where you can really start to do sort of mini masterminds. Um, there's going to be one-on-one -on -one time with me. There's going to be group, uh, group sort of coaching and there's also going to be time on your own to actually create. So there's a lot of, a lot of space. Um, they're going to be big filled, you know, big full days, but um, you will get one-on-one -on -one time as well as group coaching, as well as the workshopping and, and the small, small masterminding. And it's five days, right? It is, yes. Five, it's five nights, six days. Okay, so where do yeah. we go to sign up for this? So my website, which is thecontentcoach.com.au, you will okay. see in the navigation there, you'll see the Immersion Bali Retreat. More information. Okay. Oh, so much um, for oh, being here and sharing your story with us. Um, one last thing, just if you can give us what would be the biggest takeaway from our conversation today for our listeners? Oh, biggest takeaway. Trust your own voice. Mm. Definitely trust that your own voice is enough, is wonderful, is worthy, and is shareable. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, you heard it here, everyone. Um, thank you so much. We had Joe Johnson, the content coach. Um, definitely, if our conversation spoke to you and you need to be stretched, connect with her at www.thecontentcoach.com. Um, and if you're one of those people that she described, and you really need to just up-level your expertise into leadership, I highly recommend that you attend her retreat in Bali, and the space is amazing, um, and the food is great. So not <laughs> twisting it up at all, but, um, yes, <laughs> it is. It's awesome. It is. The so. food is lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your time this and, Thank um, you so much for having me. Absolutely. So um, my next show, the Replenish Me show, will air next time, December 26th. It is a pre-recorded show, so I won't be here live. So everyone have a beautiful holiday season, and um, I'll be back live in the new year. Good night.